Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. If you want to go to Philippians chapter 4, we're going to, uh, actually I'm going to read through the verses and then we're going to dive into tonight into 11 and 12, hopefully. Uh, verse 11 and 12, that's the goal. Um, but I just want to read through the chapter just as a reminder uh, and just go through the verses. It's a pretty short chapter, so we should be able to get through it pretty quick. Paul says this, Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crowned, crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Verse 2, I implore Yodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers, those names whose names are written in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord half of the time. <laughs> okay. Rejoice in the Lord what? Always. Always, but the circumstance is bad. Rejoice in the Lord always, yes. And, and then just in case we didn't get it, he says, again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. That's opposite of the culture. Today, it's let everybody know how great you are and how much you've accomplished. You know, that's the culture today. But we're to let our gentleness be known to all men, for the Lord is at hand. Is the Lord at hand? Yes, he is. Verse 6, be anxious for everything. Oh, nothing. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You know what I love about the Word of God? It challenges me constantly. How many have had a day with absolutely no anxiety? Because we can have it. It says so right here. We can be anxious for nothing. And we'll get into this tonight a little bit because we're going to talk about being content and usually if we're not content in the Lord, we have anxiety or things disturbing us. Usually that's how that comes about. So he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is that peace, and we talked about it. A garrison peace, it surrounds your heart and it surrounds your mind. One of the commentaries that we looked at said this, that it actually is the serenity of the throne room is the implication for this word peace. The serenity of God's throne room. Now that's amazing to think that you could have or I could have the very presence of God that's in his throne room guarding, standing around my heart and my mind. How many of you have ever, you felt like Paul, you've been pressed beyond measure? <laughs> Paul said this, we had, at, in one of the passages, he said, we have the sentence of death in ourselves. You ever thought about that? Have you ever had the sentence of death in yourself? You know, he was in such a place with what he was doing and what he was accomplishing. We saw this earlier in Philippians that uh, he talked about that his imprisonment during this time actually proved to be something for the furtherance of the gospel. And that word furtherance has the idea of cutting out ahead of the rest of the group. So what Paul was doing as an apostle, and typically, if you study the apostolic office, this is what they do. They cut out ahead. You say, what do you mean they cut out ahead? They get out ahead of everybody else, clear the brush, so that the rest of the body of Christ can come in behind them. Okay? And so this happens till today. Now, we know there are no apostles today like there were in Paul's day. Did you know that? 
People say, oh, the office of the apostle is still around. Yes, it is. But they're not writing scripture. That's the main difference. Okay? So you got to keep that in your mind because there's enough revelation right here in what they wrote that we don't need to come up with new doors to walk through. There's plenty of doors to walk through right here where if you read your Bible on a daily basis, you know there's a lot you don't know. <laughs> right? That's the implication. Like we, we need to have that thought in our mind. And so in, when it comes to the Word of God and when it comes to these things, and uh, uh, talking about the peace of God, how many, that verse challenges you because you don't have, you're not walking in peace 24-7. So I don't look at the word of God and then go try to bring God down to my level and say, okay, God, I need you to adjust what you said about what your promise was because clearly I'm not experiencing it, so I must not be wrong. Maybe you need to adjust. No, maybe he, maybe I need to Somebody say, come up higher. Yeah, come up higher. I need to come up higher. I need to come up to his level. Now, this is the wonderful thing about it. He's already actually provided the ability to do that in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. So I need to have my mind transformed, have my life transformed to where, through the word of God and by the spirit of God, to where I am learning to cooperate greater and greater with him. My level of peace today compared to my level of peace when I was 19 and when I was saved is much greater than it's ever been. But it isn't done yet. I'm still growing. Amen? How about you? You know, I actually have fingernails today. You say, why is that a big deal? Because it's, at one point in my life, I didn't have fingernails. I had nubs because I'd just chew the fire out of them. Why? Just nervous for no reason. I don't even know why. At one point, my parents tried to buy this stuff. You know, <laughs> I just heard a few amens already in the crowd. I didn't even tell what the stuff is. But you, you put it on your fingernails, and it was supposed to make me not chew them. Because it was like super hot. But I just chewed right through it. It's like, that ain't enough. You're going to have to get battery acid or something, you know, because I just work right through them, you know. Not anymore. Not anymore. Why? Peace of God. Peace of God. Peace of God. Peace of God. You know, not be able to go somewhere, travel somewhere without worrying about everything. Not being able to sleep in a, a bed that's not your own. And yet Paul, and we know this, this is the level of peace that is available. And I'm going to shift over to Peter, the apostle Peter, for a second here. But this is the level of peace that is available. The night before you're going to get your head chopped off, he's sleeping so hard, an angel has to kick him to wake him up. Praise the Lord. Amen. We've got stuff to grow into and continue to look forward to in the Lord. So we have this piece. Finally, he says this in verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are uh, just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Now, I've been working this verse in my own life and increasing this. How many of you have been taking verses and you're working them? When, I was on the tr when we were on vacation at different times, I'd, I'd just stop, and I didn't say it out loud, but just inside me, or I'd get away from people, I'd go, no, 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 those aren't my thoughts. Those are your cares, Lord. And I'd just roll them. 
How many know the devil is good at this? He brings you the care that you gave to the Lord, well, at least a picture of it. And he tries to get you to take back what you already gave up in faith. He's relentless, isn't he? <laughs> this is the fight of what? It's the good fight of faith, right? Notice it. Notice Paul, when they're talking about these things and talking about faith, notice that there has to be a confrontation with it. So if you're not, you know, I heard somebody say this one time. They said, if you never run into the devil, ask what direction you're walking. Because any old dead fish can float downstream. It takes a live fish to go upstream. And as people of faith, everything we're, we, we are geared towards and the, the manual uh, 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 places us in the direction of is opposite of the nature and the culture of the world. And we need to understand that. So we're in a fight of faith, but we're not weaponless, we're not powerless, and we're not helpless. We have the power of God within us, we have the Holy Spirit with us, and we have the Word of God. Amen? That teaches and, and helps us see. So we're to meditate on these things. Well, I've noticed that these things take effort because I've been trained to meditate a different direction. <laughs> right? Um, thoughts come and we have to capture them and drop them and get them out of our minds. Amen? They come. Uh, Paul says this in verse 9, The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So not only is there acquiring of knowledge, not only is there having this understanding of who we are in Christ and what we have in the power of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, but then there's also the doing part, and you won't have the experience part without the doing part. And so we looked at this uh, two weeks ago or two Wednesdays ago, and one of the things that we brought out in verse 9 was we saw that it would be a real shame to go through the discipline of knowing truth but then not applying the truth and reaping the benefits. How many people have the education on finances but never apply the education? How many people have the education? They've been to multiple marriage seminars, but they never apply the marriage knowledge that they have. What most people do in those situations is they go to prayer when they should go to doing. You have to put feet to your prayer. Amen? The adjustments have to be made instead of, you know, most of the time what needs to take place in those situations really isn't a, a greater understanding of something in the, in the spiritual as far as understanding in prayer. You're not praying to necessarily see more. What you need to do is hit your knees and repent individually so that the lineup can take place. And once the lineup takes place with what God has said, and we begin to make adjustments in our lives in any area that the promises of God touch, it, 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 what it does is it shuts, it actually shuts the devil out. And the, and the, and the Spirit of God can then, is, is then operating at full flow in our lives. Amen? And so we need to be aware of that. You know... Sometimes in Pentecostal groups, since we is that, I can speak to it. Word of faith, all these, sometimes we pretend we're more spiritual than we are. You know, I've noticed this through the years, not only in my own life, 
in growing and growing in the Lord, but then also seeing it. People think because they pray in tongues, they're automatically spiritual. And they're some of the meanest people you've ever met. It's like, who are you praying with in other tongues? <laughs> you know, or, or uh, you know, I, you don't understand my gift of the prophetic, but you don't get along with anybody. Well, it's because I'm a prophet. Jesus was the ultimate prophet. <laughs> well, I want to be Elijah. Different covenant. <laughs> We're under a new covenant. You know, every, every, uh, uh, nothing's ever, you know, they're the most spiritual, they're so spiritual that no churches can handle them. I love this conversation. I just, <laughs> I just do because it's like, you know, I've, I've heard it before. I've seen it before, you know, with this, you know. There's, I've gone to all the churches in the city and none of them. We have to be, we have to understand, okay, even, let's just say that the person is spiritually mature. If you're spiritually mature, you're walking in a level of love that God walks in. And if you're walking in that level of love, you're not nitpicking all the people around you to death. Amen? You're looking for ways, you who are spiritual... Restore such a one. Amen? That's what spirituality, true, true, spirituality, true spirituality is. So we, if we're going to enjoy the benefit of the word, we have to actually do the word. We have to do the word and apply the word in our lives. I was praying today and the Lord said to me, he said, Sean, you can't just wish it's gone. You've got to make it. You've got to use, use the spiritual authority you have and drive it out. Sometimes we're waiting for things to change, and then we think we got it when we know, we see it change, when we have to drive it out. We have to drive it out. You, you, you can't just wait for it. Then we saw in verse 10, he said, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. And what we saw in verse 10 is Paul's referring to the offering that he, they gave to him. We saw that. The importance of stirring ourselves up in giving to ministries and to our fellow believers. Not just ministries, but those sitting around us. And Paul acknowledges the gift that the Philippians gave to him for his ministry. We also looked at 1 John 3.17 and we saw that we are not only to give to ministries, but also to fellow believers who we see in need. We are blessed to be a blessing. Amen? So a lot of times the church will... Uh, different denominations, different groups to really harp on the poor, which we should give to the poor. That's a part of what we're supposed to do. But there's a lot of scriptures on giving that talk about giving and taking care of the body of Christ as a whole, your fellow believers, being a blessing to those that are around you. Amen? And it's a real test of love. Because the ones you're closest to, if you can honor and bless them, you're, at, you're functioning at a high level. Because you know all their faults. But let me help you with something. They know all yours. <laughs> right? So that's the, this is why, you know, people like, people, if people treated church like they do families, natural families, they'd never leave their church. Because there's natural families, they, they know they're going to have to put up with cousin whoever. 
at the family reunion <laughs> or uncle whoever who just is annoying. But you can't get rid of them because they're your blood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm getting finger pointing going on over here. Striking, striking while the iron's hot here. <laughs> In other words, when you're close to the Lord and when you're fellowshipping with the Lord, he'll have you do things that your flesh will go, are you sure? Lord, you do know what they did. Right? We were laughing, now we got to, ooh. <laughs> right? It, he's exactly like that. Thank God he's like that. Because that means he's treating us that way. Which means I'm getting benefit even though I've acted like a slug at times. Right? So then we need to extend that to those that are around us. We are to forgive and love as he forgave and loved. And loves. Well, that's hard for me. Okay. Get after it. Till it's easy. <laughs> Nobody goes to the weight room and like, I'm just going to lift what I know I can lift. If they're wanting to get stronger. Okay. <laughs> Give me the two pounders, you know. The little, I did it, you know. If you want to get stronger, you have to lift what? Weight that challenges your muscles, right? Well, the same is true, and we, uh, Mike talked about this. It might have been a year and a half ago. We were, on a, we were kind of in a stage in the church where God was talking about being more fruitful to us by the Spirit of God, and we were talking about pruning and what takes place, and why does God do what he does to us that sometimes feels like it hurts? Even if something's alive, he'll take it away. He won't just take away the dead stuff. He'll take away alive. Why? So that more fruit can grow. Because we're designed to be what? And I believe the commentary stated it like this. We're just, we're, God desires that we be so strong that our branches can just be weighted down with fruit for people to be able to experience him off of us, his body. Amen. So if you never have a challenge, if everything's just comfortable, if we never are, as, as a pastor, if, I, if we never step out just a little bit beyond where we've been believing and, 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 and operating at at a pretty high level, if we never push the envelope and push the envelope and push the envelope, we'll never see the fullness of what God desired for us in the dispensation that he gave us to be houses of his glory. It won't happen. We have to stretch and grow and develop. We have to be challenged. We need to be doers. And one of the best ways to grow spiritually is to walk in love with the body of Christ. To be in unity in expectation of greater things. And God knows. He knows how people are. He is not surprised. How many have uh, watched The Chosen? Some of The Chosen. Series, there's a the, I think it's the last one that they did before they sh they uh, starting the season three. The last one where uh, the one a, a lady joins the group. One of the ladies named Tamar joins the group, and she's talking to Thomas, 
and all the other disciples, Thomas is talking to her, and all the other disciples are over by a fire and some firewood, and they're all fighting with each other. And she says, she says, well, what do you call that? And he said, well, my most generous, you know, kind of word for it is love. And she goes, that does not look like love to me. And she said this, she made this statement. I thought it was so powerful. Or he, Thomas made this statement. It was so powerful. He said, well, they all love our master. They ju- and they all want to do what he wants. They all just see it a little bit different on how it should be done. So if we all love our master, our differences will never separate us on just simple, you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about non-serious things. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. They won't separate us. Because you're not going to hang out with Jesus and get angry at the ones he died for. I mean, in the sense of you're not going to get hateful towards your brother. The, the first John, John, John put it this way in First John. He said, if you hate your brother, you're in darkness. So we need to walk in love. So verse 11 says this, and this is where we'll, we'll teach here tonight. He says this, he says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be what? Content. Can you be content? Well, I was praying on this today, and I'm going through my life going, okay, where am I allowing myself not to be content? In whatever state I'm in, I've what? He says, I've learned to be content. Learned. Which tells me it doesn't just happen automatically. The message says it this way. Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. You know, if if a preacher said this today, people would probably call him arrogant. But he's speaking from Revelation, which means, and this is the Spirit of God speaking, this is a prison epistle. You know, we, we, we categorize things, you know. We studied about Philippians is what? It's a prison epistle. Where's he writing this from? And yet he says, I've learned now, by now, to be quite content whatever my circumstances. Wow. That's a big statement. How many have ever paced the house? I need something to do. (laughs) I know people that keep themselves busy until they can't stand. Because they've never learned how to rest. So the only time they can rest is when they have thoroughly wore themselves out. And then their body's like, okay, we're done. And so they fall over. But this, this scripture is so powerful to me. He says, another translation, the Weymouth says this, I do not refer to this through, through fear of privation. For, or on my part, I have learned whatever be my outward experiences to be content. He goes on to say, uh, another translation goes on to say, the Passion Translation says, I'm not telling you this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be satisfied in any circumstances. The mirror puts it this way. Hey, don't get me wrong. I am not hinting for funding. I have discovered my I amness. What he's saying by that is who I am in Christ. And found out that I am full, self-sufficient, whatever the circumstances. Self-sufficient is the feeling you have when you are completely satisfied with 
who you are in Christ. Well, I would be happy, except these people are doing this. The Amplified says it this way, and I like this translation the best. Not that I am implying that I was in any personal want, for I have learned how to be content, satisfied to the point where I am not disturbed or disquieted in whatever state I am. Whew! Satisfied to the point where I am not disturbed or disquieted. How much is the government getting to us? <laughs> it's real quiet in this Lutheran church. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, how how satisfied am I in the Lord? Now, Paul's not, he's not saying we become Dr. Spock. You know, we're not, he's not talking about stoicism. He's talking about you are so uh, engaged and immersed in your relationship with the Lord that the circumstances around you are not dictating your mood to you. They're not deciding your language. They're not deciding your emotions. I'm not saying you don't have emotions. You're not living off the emotion of what is coming against you. You're living from the resurrection within you. We do. We, I noticed it in myself in different areas where the Lord, you know, years ago it was different things. It's different things today where you're growing. But I notice it where I'm trying to, I'm trying to make it happen. Instead of allowing the Lord to steadily lead, because I think if I don't do this, nothing will get done. That's a lie. Unless the Lord tells me to do it, I'll put it to you like this, because, you know, sometimes we take scriptures and, and they do apply in a general sense to certain things, but they apply to all of us in a specific sense as well. We love to quote this verse, and I love to quote it. This is a true verse. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in. The same goes for every person in here and your house. And I'm talking about individually. No, that's, that's, you know, that's just for preachers. You know, that's for those who have ministries. They're trying to build, 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 build. No, 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 no. Everybody in here has a ministry. You have a life. You have a, your world. You have the world that you've been placed in. And you may be trying to build in it. And the Lord's saying, why are you building over there? Because he's completely over here working on something else. And the reason why we get in this way of thinking and way of believing and way of doing is because we haven't got our contentment here. I haven't got my, my focus in the right place. Yeah, but you don't understand what I'm called to. I probably, if you're called to a level of ministry of any kind, I probably have an inkling of what you're called to. You say, what do you mean by that? I may not know your specific call. I may not be able to tell you. I'm talking about five-fold ministry gifts right now. I may not be able to tell you exactly how the path will go and what you're called to in the level of anointing that's upon your life or any, anything like that. But I can tell you this. I've been in this kind of ministry stuff for about 20 years, 15, 
seriously 15 years. And I can tell you this. It will not walk out the way you think it will. It will not. And unless you learn to be content... I just give, I'll just put it to you like this. Uh, what was the last year you and I worked for Terry? 2006. In 2000, I knew, I do know, I have known I've been called to preach since I was born again on July the 26th, 1996. I was 19. You say, how do you know? I had dreams the Holy Spirit would visit me in my dreams and give me dreams of me preaching. Freaked me out. <laughs> and then for years, probably for three years, saw it or more, every guest minister that came or where I was in a meeting, almost all of them would call me out and prophesy over me. You're called to minister, da 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 da, da. I already knew it. And I would just, okay, how am I going to make this happen? And God was saying, look, this is what you're called to, but come sit at my feet. And I missed it a lot. And sometimes I was like, God, why didn't you just like send somebody, you know, along that was more seasoned like this, that would really grab a hold of me and kind of talk to me. But I figured something out about God. And it's not always this way, but sometimes it's this way. I was talking to somebody a while back, and they were talking about how they were believing God for specific, some specific things. And, and uh, they just kind of wanted it to hurry up and be over. And I figured something out about God. He doesn't always just make it go over. He doesn't always just leap you over the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes he lets some of us walk through it. Why? So that I can walk you through it. So that the person, he's developing the leader in the person. He, it takes time. It takes effort. It takes obedience and patience. It takes development. It takes contentment. Paul didn't start his ministry until 14 years after Jesus appeared to him. I mean, he was working in the ministry, but I'm talking about his specific call. Dale was so kind to remind me on pr in prayer on Tuesday that Andrew Womack started the Bible school that he started, Karis Bible College, and it was 37 years after he was called to preach, and the Lord spoke to him and said, you're just now starting. What I've called you to do. 37. You know what we think? We think, Lord, you're wasting time. He is not. I heard Billy Graham say this years ago. Somebody asked Billy Graham, if you knew there were only three years left before Jesus returned. They said, they said what would you do? And all these people were giving these answers. And Billy Graham said, I would prepare for two years and six months. And preach for the last six months. And have everything scheduled out. For the most impact. So in other words, our contentment, our satisfaction, our pleasing the Lord, our relationship with the Lord, our fellowship with the Lord, it needs to be established before certain things can come to pass in our lives. Now I know I'm off on a tangent, but I'm off on it prophetically. I'm in the spirit on this one, okay? So, so 2006, me and Mike are sitting in a vehicle. I give Larry Phelan a call. And I say, hey, can I come preach? 
I just asked him. And he said, sure. And he set up a time, and we did. And, and uh, then he called me back, and he said, I can't have you come that day. So he rescheduled me. And I was working for Terry at the time. I was doing drywall and painting. We were working on uh, the son of the owner of which bank? We were working on that house. They were on First Interstate. Yeah, the Scott family. Yep. We were working on the son or the grandsons. I don't know. The f- that family's got a long lineage. So, <laughs> But anyway, we were working on their house. And, and he said, yeah. So from there started a process of relationship. Do you know how many times I've preached for the Breakforth crew? <laughs> a bunch. They have worked me. <laughs> like an old mule. <laughs> but we, the, 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 it started in 2006, but here we are 2021. And now how many connections are between our church and those churches and the ministries that are connected? We go to their stuff. They come to our stuff. They, we've given to them. They give to us. You know, this church, they wrote a check for this church for when we bought this building, for how, how much was it? Do you remember? $25,000? Something like that. In order for us to, two weeks before we were closing, we were short that much. And they wrote us a check. And they said, here it is. Pay us back whenever you want. Then we went down there for a meeting. And they said, we're not a bank. It's yours. In other words, we had to, the Lord worked it out. And, and the Lord does this. He says to us, he'll look at us and he'll say, we'll, we'll, we say things like real smart like this. We're in a boat. And Jesus is on the water. And we go, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. <laughs> now, I find this interesting. Jesus didn't say, Peter, Come. He said, come. Which means any of them could have got out. Right? <clears throat> and then we go, you know, and I, this is my temperament. I'd have been, and I am this way. I just run out there. You know? <laughs> we're like, you know. <laughs> Judas was standing there next to Peter going, I'll hold your wallet for you if you... Okay. I had to throw that in there. (laughs) And then I've done this more than once. I am gargling water and going, Lord, I... And he saves me. But I'm learning not to allow things around me Because we found our contentment where? In the Lord. We learned. This word learned means to to learn by practice. To acquire the habit of. To be accustomed to. The word content means sufficient. And I put after all of these uh, descriptive words, I put in Christ. Sufficient. It means sufficient in Christ for oneself. Strong enough in Christ. Possessing enough in Christ. To need no aid or support in Christ. See, in the natural, we want aid and support. 
And, and there, we should support one another. But what if everybody, you know, there's more. Uh, Paul wrote this in his epistles. He said, everybody's left me. But the Lord stood by me. The Lord's with me. Because there are times where it feels like that. And then you, that's when you need to go back to the Lord and go, everybody left me, Lord, but you have not left me. So don't let your circumstance decide what you're going to do. Rather, let your Savior decide what you're going to do. Amen? To need no aid or support in Christ, independent of external circumstances in Christ. So in the context of what Paul is talking about, this word refers to Jesus Christ. Paul is not telling the Philippians that he is self-sufficient in himself. He is telling them that he is fully content and supplied in Christ Jesus. Paul will tie this thought up in verse 13, but essentially this is a person who receives all their thirsts satisfied in their fellowship with the, with the Lord. Jesus said in John 7, 37, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him what? Come to me and... Notice it didn't say come to me and think. It said, come to me and what? Drink. He who believes in me, verse 38, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of what? Living water. The idea of thirst means there's something not satisfied. So where are you thirsting where you need to drink from the Savior. Now watch. Where are you thirsting. And you're trying to drink from a fountain. You shouldn't be. Because you won't. It, you know the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing what. Over and over again expecting. Different results right. But we do this. It's our natural inclination. Well I went back to this. You know I got to find a hobby. A hobby will satisfy me. I got to find a hobby. I got to have a hobby. Got to have a hobby, and no hobby satisfies you. And it's the Lord going, nope, you're not drinking from that one. You have to drink from the one who will satisfy you. Then what I've found out is he'll let you do the hobby. Yeah, he's just like that. He is, he really thinks he's God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> This word thirst could be described as any need or desire that mankind has. Contentment in the Lord only comes through drinking from the source of contentment, which is Jesus Christ. Contentment is learned. Bob Yandian said this, contentment is learned. Contentment is not a feeling or a mood. Feelings change with the circumstances while contentment comes from, the, from a heart settled on the promises of God and remains stable no matter what may occur. That's what contentment is. The goal for every Christian is not to be freed from circumstances. Now listen to me, because it's our natural inclination to just want the problem to go away. We just want it, just make it go away, God. Just, if you could just change the circumstance, if you could just give me a different boss, if you could just make this person do, if my spouse would just do what they're supposed to see, you're trying to drink from a source that won't satisfy. 
You've got to drink. And this just, have you ever noticed, it just tears the flesh up. The flesh just goes, I don't want to have to deal with this. Well, I'm sure, but we're to take up our cross, you know, on Sunday and Wednesday. <laughs> In today's culture, according to statistics, every two Sundays a month. Oh, yeah. The average attendance for people in church, according to t today's statistics, is people average attendance in church two Sundays a month. And that's their home church. And then those are the same people that get mad that nobody knows them at their home church. <laughs> um, we need paddles in our church. I need spanking spoons <laughs> everywhere. Just Okay, no, I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> The goal for every Christian is not to be freed from circumstances, but to be self-sufficient in them. Knowing if God be for us, who could be against us? This confidence is God, in God can be obtained through learning, receiving, hearing, observing, and then doing the word of God. Self-sufficiency combined with contentment produces confidence. But without contentment, self-sufficiency is nothing more than arrogance. Contentment is what separates the mature Christian from the sinner and the carnal believer. You ever, uh, several years ago, I had Pastor Larry in. Uh, we were out at the Yellowstone Boys and Girls Ranch. And I wasn't preaching that day. And I was kind of wandering around like a caged lion. And he, he, and I was talking to him and taking care of some other things and, and just kind of wandering around. He goes, he said to me, he said, you're kind of walking around like a caged lion. And it ding dawned on me, calm down. Just relax. Yeah. God's going to do what he's going to do. I wasn't being content. Contentment is a sign of maturity, and I'll finish with this. Paul learned the true secret of life, and he shared it in this verse with the Philippian church. At some particular point in his life, Paul made a commitment to place his full trust and faith in the Lord and to serve him faithfully no matter what natural circumstances that meant him being placed in. We know from Acts chapter 9 that shortly after Paul's conversion, he faced persecution and certain enemies of the gospel attempted to kill him. God protected him, though, and some believers lowered the apostle in a basket out of a window so that he could escape. That's in Acts chapter 9, verse 25. This was a manifestation of Psalms 91. Have you ever thought about this? Just as a kind of a side note. Psalms 91 isn't just an angel coming and shutting the mouths of lions. Sometimes Psalms 91 is getting let out of a basket in a window down a wall. You know, if we read Psalms 91 and then heard about how Paul, and we were going to write the script on how Paul should escape, we would have been like, he jumped out of the window. Angels caught him midair, lest he dash his foot. Floated him down. But sometimes, supernatural deliverance looks really natural. It just does. I can give you about 50-50 in scriptures. 
you know, we love it when we hear about Jesus got pushed all the way to the cliff and then he just passed through the crowd. <gasps> what about when he hid himself? Oh, that's not so much awe. I mean, I can hide myself, you know. <laughs> Do you know Jesus? Here's something for you. Do you know he actually disguised himself? Go read your Gospels. He disguised himself at times. Wouldn't that be something? He hid himself. Our relationship with the Lord, we have a promise that we can be totally satiated, satisfied, just in our fellowship with Jesus without circumstances ever being necessarily being just perfect. Do you ever see those, uh, you know, your natural mind wants to do this. I think it's funny. Mind does it too. You see the picture of a person on the beach and they, they you know, it usually shows a picture of just like the ocean and somebody sitting or laying down and it's just kind of their from their knee down and their feet, and it's a blue sky and white sand, and everything's really calm. And they're, they're, the, the commercial says, you know, you need to get away to rest. And your natural body goes, yes. <laughs> and then you become spiritual all of a sudden. Lord, if you could just get me there, I would have peace. And here Paul's in prison, and not nice prison, not rules of war prison. The, the Romans were not like, we have to treat you a certain way because we know that you're from, I mean, until later when he told him he was a Roman. <laughs> and, he's, he's, and he said, I've learned. What if you had people, a church full? Of just, I got him. Fellowship and close with him. Walked in content. Went out content. Full of the Spirit of God. Come on, your bathtub doesn't leak because you're not worrying. You don't just get full on Sunday or Wednesday. You stay full all week. All hell's breaking out around you, and you go, you know, Paul told me the secret to being content. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.